Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 6. That's actually where we're going to spend the majority of the message. But it turned to Luke chapter 23 and Matthew chapter 6. And today we're wrapping up a series that we're calling How to Live Through a Bad Day. And we all go through bad days. And this has been a seven-week series. This is week number seven. And what we've realized is that we all go through bad days. Jesus himself, he actually said this in John chapter 16. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Hey, isn't that so encouraging? Aren't you so glad you came to church? We just want to encourage you today. In this world, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to have some trouble and some bad days. But here's the cool thing. The verse doesn't end there. Jesus says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's some good news. That yes, there is going to be some bad days. They're guaranteed. But take heart because Jesus has overcome the world and he guides us through scripture of how to get through our bad days. And so in this series, our theme verse has been Hebrews chapter 12 and verse two, where it says, keep your eyes, keep them on Jesus. Like make sure don't lose sight of Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race that we're in. And then it says, study how he did it. And that's what we've been doing in this series. We've been studying a bad day that Jesus had because on those days, he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. And it says this, and this is something that I really hope for all of us is that he could put up with anything along the way. I'm telling you, that's the type of faith that I want. That is rock solid. That though whatever bad day my way, I'm still, man, I could put up with anything along the way, just like Jesus, cross, shame, whatever. And so we've been looking at really Jesus's worst day, the day that he died on the cross, that a lot of times in Christianity, we call that day Good Friday, but it wasn't a good day, it was a bad day, especially for him. It was his worst day, and it was only good for us. In the Bible, it records seven different statements that Jesus made while hanging on the cross. And every single one of them have an important lesson for our lives. And today we're gonna be looking at the seventh statement, the final statement that he said on the cross in Luke chapter 23. And it says this in verse 44, it says, by this time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. It was a supernatural thing that happened. And then it says this, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And here's why the Bible puts that in there, because it's actually a very, it's a very supernatural thing. Because at that time, there's only certain people that could go into the presence of God. And it was the high priest. And one person would go for all the people and they would go before God and they were the only ones that could do it. And they did it very reluctantly. They actually tied a rope around this person. And then when they would go in there, just in case things weren't working out that way, they wanted to make sure that they could pull him out. But when Jesus said this and the temple was torn into the, the curtain, the, the, the temple curtain where the presence of God was, 
what that means is that now it's not just the priest. It's not just that man of God that can go before God. Now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, every single one of us has access to the presence of God. That is really, really good news. And then it says this. It says that um, after the after the that that temple curtain was torn down the middle, and then it says Jesus shouted. And here's what we're talking about today, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. And even on Jesus's worst day, when he experienced unimaginable pain and rejection and abandonment and humiliation, he makes this this statement. He makes this decision to make sure that everything in his world, that he's given everything fully over to God's hands. And so his statement six, it is finished, is a statement of triumph. Statement seven is a statement of trust. Teaching us that when you're going through a bad day, and so if you're, if you're taking notes today, here's kind of what we're talking about from this statement. Jesus says that when you're going through a bad day, finally surrender your day to God and let it go. That whenever you're going through that bad day, when it's all said and done, finally surrender your day to God and let it go. Let's pray. God, we invite you. We don't want to just go through the motions. God, I believe that you're here, that you're an active God, you're a speaking God. And so would you, in your sovereignty, speak to every single one of us? And God, I pray that all of us, we walk out of here different than when we came in. And so God, we give you permission. We open up our minds, our hearts, our entire lives to you and give you permission to do whatever you want to do. We love you. And it's through Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, um, I know that there's a lot of times where in church, it's maybe easy to put on a face, but just in a moment of honesty, how many of you would say that you tend to be a worrier? Is any, anybody in here just, you, you just tend to worry about certain things, you know, you just kind of worry all the time. And, uh, you know, there's so many things in life that, that it is to worry. Like you can worry about relationships and our jobs and we can worry about money. Can I get an amen there? You know, we can worry about our future. We can worry about all the things that are going to happen tomorrow and what's going to happen. But as a parent, I can tell you that, that by far the thing that I worry about the most is my kids. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. I just worry all the time about my kids. I remember growing up and I was like, I'm not going to do that because I saw my mom do that and I saw my dad do that. And now I'm a dad and I have two little boys and they're awesome. And I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and I just, I'm constantly worrying about them. Like, how are they going to do? What's, what's today going to be like? And just, just worrying. And so imagine getting this letter as a parent. Imagine just one day coming downstairs and seeing this typed out and just right there from your son. It says, Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom. I've been finding real passion with Jennifer. She is so nice, even with all her piercings, tattoos, and revealing motorcycle clothes. 
But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's pregnant. And Jennifer is semi-confident that we can make this thing work. She wants to have many more children, mostly with me. (laughs) And now that is one of my dreams too. Even though you don't care for her as she is much older than I, she already owns her own trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. Jennifer has taught me that marijuana really doesn't hurt anyone. We will be growing it for quite a while and trading it with her friends for all the cocaine and meth that we want. In the meantime, please be praying that doctors find a cure for all her nasty diseases because they're really bad. Don't worry, Dad. You know, I'm 15 years old and I really know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll we'll be back to visit so that you can meet all your grandkids. Sincerely, your son, John. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at the neighbor's house, and I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the report card that is on your desk. (laughs) I love you. Call me when it is safe to come home. (laughs) You know, it's... It's so easy to worry. And in Luke chapter 23, on a very bad day, when it could have been very easy for Jesus to worry, he makes this statement, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. In other words, he says, I give you everything. Like I give you everything. And just like a side note, that this scripture, this verse, this one thing, like when I was reading it, it was like it illuminated to me that this verse is actually a picture, a perfect picture of salvation. That if you look at it, and look at it in the message, the, the message paraphrase, it actually says this in, in this, the same exact verse, Luke 23, 46, said, Jesus called loudly, Father, I place my life in your hands. Then he breathed his last. And that's exactly what it looks like for you and I to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life. See, because it says, I place my life, my whole life in your hands. Everything. I surrender 100%. I'm not holding back anything. Leave that up there for me. Leave that up there for me. Because I want to make sure people get that. I want to make sure that you see the call from Jesus, even in his last thing that he says before he dies the first time, is that he says, Father, I place my life into your hands. A perfect picture of what it means to make him the Lord of your life. That you surrender everything, 100%. That there's not one part that he doesn't have access to. That you give everything to him. And then it says that you breathe his last. And the cool thing is when we give our life to Jesus, there's an old life that we have that dies. We breathe our last to an old way of life. And the cool thing is, just like Jesus rose from the dead, he gives us a brand new life that we can live. So that right there is a perfect picture of what it means. And spoiler, we're gonna give you an opportunity in about 20 minutes to make that decision today, okay? So, but this sentence, this last sentence that Jesus says on the cross, he's actually quoting the Bible. So like Jesus, he quotes the Bible, and he said, it's, it's from Psalm chapter 31, written about a thousand years before, and it says this in verse four. It says, pull me from the trap, and I underline that because we're gonna come back to it. 
Pull me from the trap my enemies set for me, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust, here it is, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. And I want you to notice, to underline, to highlight, to circle that word trap, because it is a trap to worry. It is a trap to hold on to something that you were never designed to hold on to. So whatever you're holding on to, it is a trap to not give it to God. So a lot of times, like what we have is we have these areas and these things in our life and we want to kind of partly give it to God, but we keep our hands on it and we try to worry about it. But it is a trap to worry. It's a trap. And so Jesus, in the middle of his famous sermon, in a sermon that's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is actually Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, he actually talks a lot about worry. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter six, in verse 25, it says, this is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than that stuff? Isn't life more than that? Because I've put some things in your life that are about eternity, but you're worrying about things that just won't last. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. He takes care of them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And then it asks this question, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And we all know the answer to that question is no. But the truth is we're all guilty at times of worrying. I worry, you worry. There's different times in our life that we worry, especially on our bad days. And instead of giving my worry to God, I try to take back control and my worrying makes a statement to God that says, I don't think you really know what you're doing. And it's a trap. So my prayer today, like really my burden today, I ask God every single week, will you give me a burden? And here's my burden today, is not that we come together and that we experience the presence of God like we just did and we get the feels. You know, by the way, that was, I wanna honor our worship team. You guys are amazing. I'm so thankful for you week in and week out leading us into the presence of God. And, you know, but my burden today was not just that we would just experience that and that we would learn more about the Bible in this time my burden today is that some of you came in carrying a massive amount of worry. And that my burden today is that we leave it here. That we do not have to walk out of here carrying the same things that we walked in carrying. And I believe that. I believe that God wants to do something in your life today where you can walk out of here lighter. And so that's my burden today. But the question is, how? How do we do that? And I think the next verses in Matthew chapter six, Jesus so kindly tells us how. And I wanna give you three things. And here's the first. I wanna encourage you to get to know God. Just to get to know God. And if you already know God, maybe write this better. To get to know God better. Because here's what I've learned that the more you know God, the more you trust God. The more that you experience God, the, 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 the more that, that you really can trust God with everything. 
And so I've been following Jesus for almost 20 years. This summer, well, it should be 20 years that I made a decision to follow Jesus. And I have the advantage now of looking back 20 years and looking back and seeing 20 years of God's goodness, 20 years of God's faithfulness, 20 years of God's provision, 20 years of peace that I shouldn't have had, 20 years of joy that was my strength when I shouldn't have had joy. I'm talking about, I've been able to look back and for 20 years, I've been able to see God's fingerprints all over my life. And here's what I've learned. God knows what he's doing. He really does. Like looking back over the last 20 years of following Jesus with everything that I have, I recognize that God knows what he's doing. Even in times where I don't fully get it, even when I don't understand, God knows what he's doing. And in Matthew chapter six, in verse 31 and 32, it says, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? See, these things, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, like there should be something different about how you think. Here's why, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. That's why one of our highest goals for your life is that you know God. It's actually the first step of our vision. And so you can see our vision right here and it answers the question, what do we wanna see for every person? So it's what do we wanna see in your life that we have a vision for your life? And the vision that we have for your life, it starts because we want to see every person go on this spiritual journey where they first, where they know God. And I'm not talking about where you know God just in here, that you know all these facts and you have all these things in your mind, but that you know God right here. That you have, it's not just religion. It's not just checking off boxes, that, that you can have a intimate, close, personal relationship that's daily with God. That's not just something that happens on Sunday. It's not just something that's a couple hours of the week, that what we want is we want you to know God and to have a relationship with God. And some of you, Maybe you've bought into the lie that you can't have a relationship with God. That maybe because you've done something that's wrong and there's no way that he would want a relationship with you. Or maybe you just think, I've tried my whole life to have that thing consistent and I just can't. I can tell you, look me in the eyes, you can have a relationship with God. You can know God. Your relationship with God can be described as real, close, consistent, growing, vibrant, and I'm telling you, I wanna just see so many people build their life on the only thing that's gonna last. And, and truly, it's the only thing that can't be taken from you. And so I wanna build my life on something that can't be taken from me. There's a lot of great things in this world. You know, I, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my family. I'm thankful for the things that we have. I'm thankful for the possessions and the finances that God's provided for us. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for all, but here's what I know. Everything in this world can be taken from me except for my relationship with God. So I'm gonna build my life on that. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus talks about there's two types of people that build their house, that they build their house on rock or sand. And if Jesus is the rock, everything else is sand. And so I'm going to build my life on the rock. Like I'm gonna build my life on something that actually lasts. And you need to hear this. I just don't wanna pack this auditorium just to pack this auditorium. I want people to know God. I, I, want, I want your friends 
I want your family, listen, I want your children to grow up and to know God. I wanna see generations in your family of faithful Christ followers that love them with all their heart, that takes what we do here on Sundays and makes it into their Mondays. I'm telling you, we're not here just to have a big church just for big church sake. We are here to see people know God. 2.1 million people, and I dream of 2.1 million people in the greater Cincinnati area knowing God. Know God. So get to know God. Here's the second. is put God first in every area of your life. Every area. Put God First, not just he just doesn't need to be on the list. He needs to be number one on that list. Put God first in every area of your life that instead of putting all your energy worrying about things that you can't ultimately control, do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six in verse 33 where he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Instead of worrying about your agenda, focus on his agenda, and then he'll take care of your agenda. So put God first in your marriage. Put God first in your family and how you raise your kids. Put God first in your friendships, in your finances, in your job, and in your career. Put him first in your schedule and your time. Really put God first in every single area of your life. And if you do, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that you won't worry as much about the same stuff because they won't seem as big. That those things that maybe like so own your mind, they may still be there, but you'll have something bigger in your life than that thing. In fact, I think it's the greatest way to overcome the biggest problems you have in your life is to have something bigger than your problems. And there's a life that God has for you that when you put him first, everything else seems to get smaller. And by the way, I wanna honor you today for coming to church today, on this first day of the week, that today you put God first. That you put God first in the, in, the, in the very first part of your week, you decided, which by the way is like one of the 3,874 reasons why I can tell you that coming to church week in and week out is good for you. It's to put God first in the, in, in, right at the start of your week. Because I don't know if you've ever missed a Sunday but you know that that week isn't as good as when you come and you put God first. And so the God's invitation today is to put him first, to dedicate your life to what he cares about, like helping people and loving people and serving people and reaching people and making a difference in other people's lives. So put God first in every area of your life. And then here's the number three, is to live one day at a time to live one day at a time. See, Matthew chapter six and verse 34, it says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Live one day at a time. See, I think we miss and we waste so many moments that are right in front of us because we're thinking and we're worrying about something in the future. And there's things that are just passing us by that are right there because we're constantly fixated on something that's in the future. 
And so, and so like whatever you're worrying about right now, whatever it is for you, whatever it is that's a trap for you to hold on to, that may happen one day, but it's not happening right now. It's just not. And so, it, you know, it's, it's not today. And th- this was an encouraging statement that somebody shared with me this week, that today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. Now, I think that was, you know, like for some people. I'm breaking down a little bit, okay? Because it's really good if you think about it. That today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. And listen, God got you through it. God got you through that. And in James chapter four, in verse 14, it says, you don't even know what your life tomorrow will be. I know that you have a calendar that says you have some appointments, but you don't even know what your life tomorrow will be. And then it says, you, your life is like a puff of smoke. Maybe your translation, it says like a mist. Another one says a morning fog that's here and then it's gone. You're like a puff of smoke, which appears for a moment and then disappears. And the Bible is very clear. Many times throughout scripture, it kind of has this theme. In another, it says that your life, that it's but a breath. And another verse even says that, that your life is just the width of our hands. And every single one of those verses, it has this message that life is short and that we're never guaranteed tomorrow. And that every single day, come on, let's agree with this, that every single day is a gift. It is. That life is short and every single day is a gift. And I refuse to waste the only day that I'm guaranteed by worrying it away. See, that's a trap. And write this down. The best way to destroy today is to regret yesterday and worry about tomorrow. The best way to destroy today, the day that we have, the day that the Lord has made, the best way to destroy today is to regret what happened yesterday and to be so worried about what's gonna happen tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna look like, but today, God, I'm gonna trust you. Today, I'm gonna put everything in your hands. I'm gonna live for you today. I'm gonna make a difference today. I refuse to fall into the trap of worry. So how can you truly let go of the worry that's in your life? One, you get to know God. And two, you put God first in every single area of your life. And then three, live one day at a time. Let me end with this. You see this entire series, it came from a book called, shocker, How to Live Through a Bad Day. And it's by Dr. Jack Hayford. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great book. It's actually really small. Um, we wanted to, just so you know, um, we really wanted to get every single person today a copy of this book, but it's out of print and we couldn't find it. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful I got a copy though. Um, and I tried to teach you all as much as I could over the last seven weeks. If you missed any, check out the podcast. Um, but Pastor Jack is very special to me. 
because he's actually one of my pastor's pastor. And so I, I guess that makes him like my grand pastor. I don't know. Um, but here's the point. The man that wrote this book is in my spiritual DNA. And he's made a bigger impact on my life than I realize. Because he's impacted the people that have impacted my life. And um, a few years ago, I had, in a, I had uh, the privilege to spend an afternoon with this legend. I mean, I'm talking about this legend in the faith, incredible pastor and author and preacher. In fact, not only did, was he a writer of books, he wrote over 600 songs and hymns that, that, that some we still sing today. And um, one thing that's really cool about Dr. Jack is that he took over a church in California and it had 18 people. And through his leadership and a move of God, that church grew to over 10,000 people. I mean, this man has led thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. He started a seminary that has trained pastors all over the world. And a few years ago, I got to spend a whole afternoon with him. And I'm telling you, it was one of those days where it felt like I was taking a sip of water out of a fire hydrant. And it's like so much wisdom, so much truth. And he wasn't even trying. I'm just talking about he was dropping bombs every other sentence and he didn't even realize. But I remember taking notes that day and writing down all the things that I was just trying, I was just writing down as fast as I could. And, and he was able, he deposited gold in me like this. He said a praying church starts with a praying pastor and how that's impacted you as I've been on this journey and realizing my dependency on God. He said this, he said, don't seek to grow a big church, seek to grow big people. And he said this, he said, God's not weird. <laughs> Churches only get weird because people are weird. It's wisdom, it's wisdom. And at the end of my time with him that day, he went around to every person in that room and he laid his hands on us and he prayed over us. It was a moment I'll never forget being able to be prayed over by my pastor's pastor, this legend in the faith. And he's still alive. He's 84 years young. And by the way, he's still living for God. He's still making a difference. And the, the more that I'm in this thing, the more that I'm just not impressed with people who start their race, I'm impressed by people who finish their race. And I love that he's a finisher, but he's experienced some bad days. He's experienced bad days like the one in 2017 when he lost his precious wife, Anna, that he talked about in almost every message I heard him preach to pancreatic cancer. The truth is you can't write a book like this unless you've had your share of bad days. And this man who wrote a book that invested in people, that invested in me, that's now been passed on to you, this man, so much wisdom, been used by God all over the world, he said this, he said to live through a bad day, indeed to conclude it, is to place it 
into the hands of God and leave it there. This man is so wise. He's been walking with Jesus for so many decades. And he says, your bad days, you wanna know how to get through those, to live through those, indeed to conclude it, is to place it into the hands of God and leave it there. To place it and leave it. Place it and leave it. See, some of you, you came in with things. Today, you can place it and leave it. Some of you, you came in, you're carrying struggles and challenges with your family, your marriage. Maybe it's hanging on by a thread. Place it and leave it. You know, some of you, you're, you're so weighed down by the future. You don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold. And it feels like you're at this fork in the road and I have to make this decision, go this way or that way, this job or that job, this city or that city. Today, place it and leave it. Whatever you're going through, it's a trap to hold on to it. So place it and leave it. Once you bow your head and close your eyes. And every single week, we wanna ask God, God, what are you speaking to me? We don't wanna just go through the motions. So what are you speaking to me? How does my life need to look different because of what we experienced today? And in just a moment, we're gonna have a special time of worship and communion. But before that, we wanna give you the opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus, to place your whole life in his hands and let it go. And so maybe you're here and you're far from God. You feel so disconnected. And whenever I talked about knowing God, having a relationship with God, that felt like so far away. The amazing thing is that that can change right now with just one sincere heartfelt prayer. And we're not gonna ask you to join this church. We're not gonna ask you to come to the front. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. We're just gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you wanna make the most important decision of your life, you can just pray this prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, I, I am gonna ask you to take a step because I think it's very important for you to recognize, say, God, that's the decision I need to make. Maybe it's for the first time or maybe you feel so disconnected and you've made that decision in the past and now it's like, no, I'm coming back to God. I wanna follow him. I wanna surrender my entire life to God. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask you with courage on the count of three to put your hand in the air. And nobody's gonna be looking around. It's, it, it very is like this private moment between you and God. But I think it's important that you take this step. And so if that's you and you wanna make that decision, I'm far from God, but today I wanna give him my whole life. And maybe it's for the first time or maybe you're coming back to him. If that's you, on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, just raise your hand. I got you, I got you, I got you. I got you. It's awesome. It's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, I got you in the back. It's great, proud of you. It's great. Hey, why don't you put your hands down and just, just pray something like this in your heart. Just pray, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you.
Will you come live inside me? Will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender everything to you. I take my life and I put it right now in your hands and I let it go. I give you my life and I choose to follow you with everything that I have for the rest of my life. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. And God, we thank you for the empty tomb. It is through the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com. 